Welcome to Hometown Hustle, a show where we introduce you to the leaders, speakers, and entrepreneurs right up the street from you who have gone against the grain to make their dreams a reality. As we dive into the stories behind their success, our goal is to inspire and empower a future generation to step into the fullness of its potential and destiny. And I just want to say, I don't have anything planned for this interview, so everything we say is straight facts, straight it's off just, the top. It's real. It's not nothing yeah. is staged. All right, this and is. And the camera's going. right there too, so I talk. I, sometimes I'll talk to it, like okay, straight up, like me and me and Shad are like, I don't know, you're one of my best friends. So for us, this yeah. is just like an actual legit conversation. It's not really like the typical hometown hustle interview. And I, I already know a lot of the things I'll ask him, but I'm asking these because I've watched this dude hustling grind the past year. We've been on. Numerous yeah. trips together for business, music, just to kick it, and um, and like I really know where his heart's at, so I think it's yeah. it'll be really interesting for me to be able to ask like I think the right questions for you. True, and the thing about Matt is that like when we work together, it's more of a friends thing. It's not like it's not business, you know, and that makes the job so much easier. So that and that happened real fast too, like within the first three times we started working it was already like all right we're bros it's not yeah it's not like yo can you do this and have it back to me in three days and i'll give you x amount of money and all that it's just like and it makes it more organic like we're just hanging out like yo let's shoot something so i think that's a dope yeah dope connection that we've we've built so far no i mean it's definitely like it's definitely like the uh what is it like the um like the dream story, like the fairy tale story out of like a like yeah. an online relationship is like you meet someone and it's I guess it's like it, this would be we could just kick it off and so um, I guess in short I knew who Shad was before he necessarily knew who I was and um, it's kind of really full circle almost because I uh, as anyone that keeps up with me knows I'm involved with Blue Ridge Hemp and so the only reason I ever uh, got involved with Blue Ridge Hemp is because Will, the founder, followed Chad and saw that we did work together. And so I had the opportunity to come to So our friendship goes beyond like just even what we do. Like I'm so grateful for, for even a friend like Chad and, and the opportunity that we had to do stuff together because it's, it's brought me to new places. And it really uh, was a validation for just like the way that I do business and the way that I carry myself and the things that I believe in, um, which is always just planting seeds and then just not knowing when they're necessarily going to harvest. So... Um, to kind of dial it back though, I forget exactly how we came across. I think I was just browsing through Instagram and, uh, I think I kept up with Elliot maybe because of, um, no, no. Okay. So I was trying to think about it cause I straight up couldn't remember. Yeah, I don't really this remember is, this is how it happened. Friends. I don't even know if I ever told you all of this. Maybe I did, but, it, I but it'll know. be even crazier now. So I have a mentor named Simon Berger that I met in, uh, Portugal, like Lisbon, mm. Portugal, maybe like 2016, he did an event in New York and as like his little mentee, you know, someone he was helping to put on, he basically invited me to um, essentially come up to New York for this event that he was throwing. And he gave me like eight tickets and the tickets were like 500 bucks each. So I invited, um, I invited Daniel Got Hits and then he asked me if he could invite his friend and his friend was Elliot. And so we were on this big email thread, right? And so what happened was I was stumbling through Instagram and I came across your profile and it said managed by Elliot. So then I hit up Elliot and I was like, hey, I'm a videographer. You know, I noticed that 
Homeboy doesn't have very good music videos and could use more content. Like, you know, let's connect and let's do something together. Hmm. And so then he put us in contact and then we, we talked on the phone that one day. Next day, I remember oh, at I the remember time I was just day. getting started, bro. I was just getting Man. started. And um <laughs> God for sake <laughs> I remember I had I had a Ronin at the time. And so I had I had no case for it though. So I remember I brought this shit in like a purple suitcase. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Walking across the street with it. Like main we roads. We, were like, we had no plan, nothing. Yeah. But all Shad was like, he's like, hey, I've got this track coming out. Like, let's do a shoot. I had never shot a music video before. And uh, I was like, all right, so, cool. So this dude was saying that uh, my videos need some work. <laughs> and then he came up with never having shot a music video before. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, so we, we went to this random part of Chapel Hill, like this just this greenway, I think. And um, essentially on this greenway, it was just this random path in Chapel Hill. People were jogging. There was all those big-ass cylinders. And uh, I didn't even really know how to work the camera that well at the time. So I remember shooting it all and being like, oh, man, this is going to look so great. Yeah. I get home and load it all. Everything's overexposed to hell. So I edit it, whatever. Like I throw it back. White. But I'm like, yo, we need to like do this again. Yeah. And uh, we did it again. And it'll, somehow the first version actually ended up doing better. True. But uh, yeah. no, we did that. And it was just it was a lot of fun. And um, we from then on, it was like, I think what we did in New York after and we probably got together did between New York, then and now, but did the Khaled show. Yeah. So we didn't. So in that like sprint, we did uh, we did that first shoot. We did. I think did we do a music video before we went to New York? I yeah, feel like we, we did, did a few uh, things. We did you, some one takes. What you want. And I was pretty broke at the time. And <laughs> I was like, I, I'm not if I if I got this guy coming to New York to like film the trip, I'm not going to make him pay. Yeah. So I had to book the hotel and New York <laughs> hotels are damn expensive. <laughs> So I dropped like I think it was like eight hundred dollars for two nights. Or like the hotel was right though. I was like, damn. <laughs> and yeah, but that's, but that's how we was. did it though. And 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 it, we just started off on that foot of just this like certain level of respect um, and like admiration for what each like just knowing what we were doing for one another. Yeah. And uh, it was crazy how our, I feel like we really bonded up in New York because for sure we were there and uh, yeah, that's we, like how you really get to know someone and especially when it's like. You're doing business stuff, but after the business stuff ends, you're still hanging out, and then you might be like low on sleep or doing things in yeah. the morning. Like we went to the Taz show, we did that other interview at like seven a.m. or something, yeah. And like everyone's groggy, everyone's tired, but that that really shows how you work together. Because yeah. like if you can be in those situations and you're still able to be cool with each other, because I mean obviously people argue, people have differences in opinion, but when we did it, like. It was just natural almost like we were still cool with it yet like obviously not everything went as smooth as it could have gone but um that really showed that like yo like we can handle these types of situations together because i mean the music career is just like there are crazy situations you know yeah lack of sleep being around people all the time things like that so you kind of got to be cut out for it and mm -hmm. that's why like having the right people around you is super important so yeah i agree and it also is just it, you really like figure out who's there for the right reasons when you're in a yeah. situation where it's just shit's not going as planned things exactly. are crazy and and that's where it's that's all my best friends and all the people i do my best business with are all people that when we're when it's the heat of the moment everyone just goes into this like flow state where everyone kind of knows and gets a feel for what they should be doing and it doesn't matter if like that's what they're there to do or that's their job quote unquote. it's like 
everyone's there as a team to just get shit done, and, and that's what yeah. I feel like we definitely both latched onto that in New York, and then we were able to carry it through to like all the other projects we've done. I mean, for sure, some of the I feel like some of the best work we've done together has always been like spur moment on the fly, like 100%. let's just whip this shit together and then like see what happens, and, yeah. and it's been fun. I but, guess this will be the first like interview I do where I really explain my whole career, yeah, because I've never really talked about it in on video or <laughs> in an interview. All right, so so everyone kind of knows where Bazanji's at now. Everyone, everyone uh, has kept up with you through Instagram, through Spotify, and it's it's been a crazy. I know it's been a crazy two years. Like it's gone from Bro. zero to hundred, and this isn't what you ever expected. Yeah, like even the last six months, I haven't been releasing that much music, but it's been crazy. Like the growth has been crazy, and the last two years are really just like damn, because like. I've been doing this for six years. So it's like when you're working for four years and nothing is changing, and then those last two years it starts to hit, it's like, wow, this, like, that's why I was, or that's why it took me so long to get here because I had to build myself up so I'd be ready for that moment when it did finally hit. But it hit in, um, what, 2017? Kind of right when we started working together. And uh, lately it's just been going crazy. So I can't wait for the new music. And that's the hardest part for me. I have all this new music that I'm sitting on and it's better than like anything I've ever released. But I have to like make sure I I release it properly, you know? Mm -hmm. So like when you keep hearing these songs and you want to release them, you know you have to wait a little bit, so. I feel like that'd be my hardest. Like, it's if I was so making hard, music, bro. I'd just like, because even so when I make hard. videos, like, I'll put a snippet out and yeah. they're like, eh, like, I don't even feel like finishing it. Like, yeah. I'll just leave it as it is, but. And the thing is, like, every time I make a song, it becomes my new favorite song, so I'm just sitting on it like, yo, this is the one, like, this is going to hit, but you just got to wait. You got to do it properly. Otherwise, yeah. it'll just get overlooked or won't be as, it won't live up to the potential that it could have. Mm-hmm. And the worst part is looking back and being like, damn, I should have done that differently. Because you can't really do it differently at that point, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, take us back then. I mean, right. how, how long, so you've been making music for six years, so, but I know you did music yeah. before six years. You were in band and, and everything else. So, yeah. I mean, take us back to like six, seven-year-old Bizanji. Okay, and, and so I'm, I, I was born in London and I moved to Chapel Hill, North Carolina when I was six. And that was 2001. And um, it's funny because my brother and I actually took band lessons like right up the street from here. Um, I don't even think the place exists anymore, but I was on, I started with piano. My brother was always doing guitar and then I moved from piano to drums and drums was like my main instrument at that point. So then I got to school. I was like in percussion. I was on the drum line, like always playing drums. I was in like three different rock bands between middle school and high school. And I never really listened to hip hop at that point. It was all like, um, what were we listening to? Chili Peppers, um, just like like Blink-182, stuff like that, you know? Like, it wasn't anything hip-hop. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first hip-hop album I ever heard was Kanye's Graduation in seventh grade. And because my friend, his mom would say, uh, I'll buy you a CD for every book you read. Mm-hmm. So he got one... The first time he got Californication by the Chili Peppers, and then he got uh, Graduation by Kanye, and I remember Those he two had good albums to start out with. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. But like that was the first time I heard a real hip hop album, and I remember I was just like, "Damn, this is crazy." So from there, I got into Kanye, and then um, other artists that kind of just like I don't remember exactly the order of it, but like Lupe, um, J Cole was one of my favorites in high school. Uh, but yeah, like it just grew from there. And then in high school, 
so my last name is Alberazanji, and people couldn't really pronounce my last name, so my friends would be like, oh, Shabazanji, Shabazanji, and then Bazanji caught on from that. Everyone would just call me that. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I think it was my senior year of high school, my two friends had a microphone that they like borrowed from someone and started recording music, and my friend Aaron, you know Aaron, mm-hmm. he's my DJ, shout out to Aaron, um, we recorded like a mixtape together, and that was the first time I'd recorded something. It was a freestyle on um, Dom Kennedy, uh, what's it called, My Girl? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's the name of the track, but uh, I used like the rock band microphone, and I was like, yo, this kind of fire, and I remember like after recording it or like figuring out how to record it, I literally sat in a room for like a week straight and just mm-hmm. wrote like nonstop because I was, I was like addicted to it. I was like, yo, this is awesome. Um, so that's how we started. And I thought the I thought the project was fire. I thought the mixtape was crazy. And like listening back now, it was garbage. But it's like that's that's really what got me started on it. So then I got to college. Um, I would DJ on the side to I had no income. Like I was broke. Mm-hmm. I would DJ on the side to make some money. And I did a prom and I got paid like five hundred bucks. And I used that five hundred to buy a microphone, um, a little interface, and like everything I needed to record myself. And I remember right before I bought it, I was like, all right, this is like finally it. Like the music quality is going to jump up because I'm going to have this nice microphone. Like I wrote stuff that I was ready to record as soon as it came in the mail. And then I recorded it and it was, it sounded garbage. And not not like the raps, which were probably garbage too, but like the quality of the sound. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, oh, you have to learn how to mix and master and engineer and all this stuff. So instead of just stopping right there, which I could have easily done... I was like, I'm going to learn how to do all this. I was watching YouTube tutorials like four hours a day, five hours a day, just Mm -hmm. like figuring out how to do it, like how to get your vocals to sound like this artist or this artist or stuff like that. And eventually, like with trial and error, you just figured out how to do it, what what your voice sounds like, how to mix to your voice and things like that. Um, And that's really when it started like getting good because at that point, the music was like my... My vocal, or not my vocals, but I guess my my bars and my delivery was much better, and my mixing was getting better. So everything was like kind of going to the next level. And this was probably like freshman sophomore year of college. Okay. Um, and it still wasn't at like a good level, but it was getting there. And I remember like I would release music on YouTube, and you know how YouTube used to have like the play counter, and it would stop at like three hundred one plus. <laughs> so like I would release it, it would get like forty seven plays. And I was like, damn, people can be looking at this like, this dude sucks. This dude's a bum. So I would like keep refreshing the page until it hit the 301 damn. plus. So it would say 301 plus and people would be like, oh, like He's fake it till you make He's it. Popping yeah, off. <laughs> exactly. But like, man, those are some hard times because like you felt like you just weren't getting the recognition you deserved. And then you're in college. So you see people every day and they're like, oh, this guy's the rapper. Like that kid's the rapper, you know? And it's like when the music isn't popping off and like you don't have any sort of following, people are obviously going to make fun of you. Not really. I mean, I guess you wouldn't say make fun of you, but just like make a joke out of you, you know? And that was kind of like the hardest part to get over because it's so easy to stop and you see all these people doing regular people things and I was like, damn, I could easily just like stop and live a regular college life. Like, why am I wasting my time doing this when clearly it's not working? Like, people have always have something to say about you, like as jokes. Um, but I don't know what it was. I just, it was just my love for the music, I guess. Like, I just couldn't stop doing it. 
Yeah, and well, I'm curious because I feel like so I'm like listening in to what you're saying. Like I know you were you played instruments, but I think the whole idea of drums is is really interesting. Just in in like the way that you chose to do hip hop and rap over other like singing or anything else in it. Like, do you think it have anything to do with just like that that natural gravitation well, towards percussion and just like understanding timing? And I beats? mean, if you listen to my music. Like the main component of my music is that my voice is almost like a snare drum. Mm-hmm. Like when I when I rap, it, everything is on beat. Like mm-hmm. yeah, like it sticks to your ear because I'm hitting the beat. And, and I know you too. I know you're like yeah, OCD about like, you're exactly. anal about it. So I know that it's like it draws your ear to the song because you're on beat. Like you mm-hmm. like things that are on beat. If something's off beat, it throws you off. That's why like when I rap, all the all the syllables are on beat, and that's mm-hmm. definitely that's all from drumming. Cause yeah. like that's all I know. Rhythm is my thing. So. Uh, with that came melodies, et cetera, et cetera, from playing piano, like knowing different notes, different instruments, different sounds, things like that. But my core is always the the rhythm. So that's that helped a lot in my, I guess, growth as an artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But. So then I guess what what was kind of the first time where you felt validated and like, okay, cool. Like uh, this is, this is like, yeah. this happened, you know, you, you had the microphone first and that was kind of like supposed to go one way and then it, it, it inspired you to do more. Yeah. And then, uh, what happened next? Like it's, things started moving ahead and, and you so, went through this period where no one really respected it and would like take stabs. When did it, when did that start shifting? Cause obviously today it's a lot yeah. different, you know, it started shifting when it was a lot of things. So when I was coming up, the big thing was like, you have to get on blogs. Like if you don't get on blogs and you're not a real artist. Mm. So you, you always like email all the blogs, like listen to my new song, whatever, whatever. And I would never get posted. Mm. And part of it is like, is my music not good enough or are they just not seeing it? And that's kind of like the gray area that a lot of artists got trapped in. Cause they were like, maybe my music's not good enough. But I remember um, Hot New Hip Hop had this competition where it was like, submit your track and we pick like the top four songs and y'all vote on it. Mm-hmm. And I remember waking up one day and checking my email and it was the first time I'd gotten a response from a blog that said like, hey, we've chosen your song. And it was 919, which was like one of the first songs I released. Mm-hmm. It was like, we've chosen your song for Heat Seekers top four. And when that happened, I was like, damn, this is like, this is crazy. Like this finally paid off. Um, and then later you realize like that obviously didn't mean shit (laughs) because nowadays like blog nobody's really checking for blogs anymore because at the same time i was coming up spotify was coming up too yeah and everyone went from using blogs and websites like good music all day hot new hip-hop whatever people were using to get their music it turned into spotify and spotify playlists and people saving things on their library and you know all that stuff so that literally happened essentially right as i was starting to make that like turn in my career to get it to that next level spotify was doing the same thing so Mm -hmm. that it kind of worked like hand in hand um and then i remember uh my first i released a song that got posted on swaggy tracks which was like a big youtube channel that my friend told me about Mm -hmm. and when that happened the video got like I think it's at like a few million plays now, but it had had like 50,000 in a week or something like that. And like, like I said, at the time I was sitting there refreshing YouTube to get 301 plays yeah. on my video. Mm-hmm. And then they drop a video of my song and it has 50,000 pl- yeah, like yeah. views. At that point I was like, all right, we're on, like we're doing something. Mm-hmm. So that happened. And let it be known at the time I was making $0 off music. <laughs> And then that happened, and with Spotify and stuff, I was making like $400, $500 a month. This is my junior year of college. 
Um, Which, like, junior year, by the way, for everyone out there that might not be familiar with you, junior year was actually way younger than most people junior year. I like, was, you were what, I like was 19. 19. I was 19. Yeah. So you were like, let's not disregard, and we can jump into this whole side of things maybe in a little bit. But, yeah. But, I mean, you're in school. Like, you're a full-time student, too, still. So it's and that really was my crazy. hardest. that was my hardest semester of college, too. Yeah. Like, when you're trying to get into dental school, I mean, regardless, med school or any grad program, I mean, I'm sure people know those prereq classes are no joke, like yeah. organic chemistry, um, biology, calculus. Like I was taking yeah. all these classes and I would go back and like zone out of everything, put my headphones on and work on music. And it was just like, when I think about it now, I'm like, how the hell did I do that? To yeah. be honest, because like, it's so easy to walk away from something that's not working and the music was not working. So like, I was, I, I'm sure at some point I was like, I'm jeopardizing my chance of getting into dental school by trying to do this music thing, which isn't even working. But like I said, for some reason, I just kept going, kept going. So it got me to that point, junior year, I was making about 500 bucks a month. And I was like, yo, this is, this is amazing. Like mm -hmm. I've never gotten paid. I had one job before that. I was a delivery driver mm -hmm. and I was making like 200 bucks a month or something. I don't even remember what it was, but anything that's not like a clear path the biggest problem is people get scared of what other people think because every every person goes through that phase where they're not popping they're not doing anything that people are like oh damn he's actually successful and you have that it's, it could be a very long phase it can be years and you have to get through that with the mindset that this is gonna work because like i said it's so easy to walk away it's not like all you have to do is not go to the computer or not go to the microphone and you're not doing it anymore. Like, yeah. it's not like... And all it takes to do that is you not believing you're not feeling exactly. inspired to it's do it. It's one mindset that just destroys that whole mm -hmm. feeling. Um, so that's really the hardest part about it. And as I've said multiple times, I really don't know what it was for me, but there was just something that kept pushing me, kept pushing me. And another part of it is that I don't, I'm not a quitter. Like once I had, even if I had 400 fans on my Facebook page or something, I was like, that's 400 people watching me where if I stop right now, 400 people are gonna be like damn that dude quit more than zero yeah exactly it felt like more like than zero. yeah so it just kept going kept going so like i mentioned i was junior year of college senior year of college was the same thing um i wasn't even 21 so i couldn't really go out which is kind of a, a blessing now that i think mm -hmm. about it because i was making music and every year the music was getting better than it was before because i was still mixing mastering my own stuff and over those years i was growing and learning how to do it better junior year i dropped the city which was the first song that caught on then i dropped beachside which was the second release and that was a huge song too so those two songs back to back were very big and that was kind of like boom i'm yeah. here now and you were doing some like a few sh like a, a show here or there right you're yeah. not and still you haven't really done All like a opening, tour performances yeah. and stuff like and that and the first show was yeah you can perform but you have to go sell 25 tickets oh word <laughs> and i was like well shit like clearly y'all aren't here for the music you're mm -hmm. just here so i can give you more money in your pocket yeah and i did it and I did I did the show and um at that point I was like damn this is really like a like a fake fake setup type thing where it's like you just want and I get it I get it you want people to come to the show so you want me selling tickets it's not about whose music is better or who would be the better opener it's about who's going to put more money in your pocket and I do get it but when I'm on that level where I can do my own shows and go on tour I'm going to make sure from every city I pick an artist that was in my position to open for me mm -hmm. because I know what it was like when people are coming to your city and they don't let um, up and coming artists open for them, which is stupid to me because it's like you were there at one point. 
Like, you have to remember how it felt to go through that and see these artists and not be able to get on that stage. I dropped The City and I dropped Beachside, right? Those are two big songs. Mm-hmm. And that that gave me a lot of momentum. And then I started dropping, like, more regular hip-hop songs, like my sound. But if you went to my... This was my senior year of, of, of college at this time. If you went to my Spotify page, you know how it has, like, the top songs at mm-hmm. the top? My top songs were both those big songs, obviously. And I realized, like, yo, this isn't my sound. Mm-hmm. Like, it was like a frat rap, kind of, like, beachy sound. And I've seen so many of those artists with that sound come up, release a few songs, be popping for one summer, and then their career is gone because everyone graduates college. Like, yeah. nobody's listening to that anymore. And it, it still happens to this day. But so the dilemma for me was, like, yo, these songs are popping. These these songs are getting me paid right now, but this isn't my sound. So, like, long term, if somebody comes onto my page and they say, all right, I've never heard this guy's music before, let me listen, and they hear those first two songs, they're going to get a completely different first impression of me than who I actually am and what my music actually is. But on the other side, those songs are getting hundreds of thousands of plays, so that's more money in my pocket when I'm a broke college student. Yeah. So I literally had to make the the decision to take those songs off Spotify. Mm. And as much as it hurt my wallet, it... It helped me so much in the long run because now if you go to my Spotify page, my top songs are Fed Up, Lights Go Down, um, 23 Freestyles up there now. But basically all the songs that are actual rap and the music that I make. Mm -hmm. And when I took those songs down was right around the time I released Mannequins, Fed Up, and Lights Go Down. I released those three back to back to back. And that was January 1st, 2017, I think. But those songs moved all the way to the top, and I didn't have those frat rap songs on my page. And, like, I, I could have made, like, $5,000 between that time mm-hmm. of when I took the songs down to when the new stuff came out. But I just knew in the long run it would pay off to not have those be at the top of my page. And that was such a hard decision to make, but that was a big one that kind of shifted my career in the right way mm-hmm. so I didn't go down a dead end you know how do all these things work together for someone that's trying to do it now yeah. similarly how you've done it so speaking on TuneCore and DistroKid and all those basically what they are is their distribution sites where you personally make your own account you put your music on it and they send it to Spotify Apple Music whatever so you can be like I want to release a song next week that I recorded it doesn't even have to be a song you can release what you can release your voice like you just release whatever you want, and that's how you get on Spotify and Apple Music. The reason that's so important is because anyone out there that's making music can put their music on those websites now, mm-hmm. or those programs, I guess. And that's how everyone is getting their music these days. So the biggest component for me was, like I said, one, taking risks to know what will be most effective in the long run and kind of developing yourself. And obviously, it's going to change along the way, because like I mentioned, I had those two frat rap songs and now listen to Fed Up, which is like the hardest straight raw hip hop track. It's not there's like no real hook or anything. Mm -hmm. It's just bars over a beat versus Beachside, which is like a very like pool party song, you know? Yeah. So one thing is kind of knowing yourself and knowing which way you want to go. And like I said, it's going to change, but you have to have some sort of direction and attack, like move forward with it. You can't keep moving left and right around the same spot and trying different things. I won't say it like that. You should try different things, but you shouldn't stay around the same spot doing something that you don't fully believe in yeah like i saw what i wanted my sound to be and it took me two years to figure that out but once i did i ran with it and that's how 
I just kept releasing like one song every three weeks, every month or so. And uh, like the quality is the important part. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, you can put out a song every week, but if they're not good, think about an artist you listen to. If they keep releasing music and you don't like the music anymore, you get that kind of like switch in your head or like a bad taste in your it's mouth like, where you're like, it's like I don't really wolf. like, yeah. it's like this guy's not as good as he used to be. Yeah. And once that happens, it's hard to bounce back from that because you have to prove yourself on another level at that point because you're already kind of in a hole. Mm -hmm. So the quality was the big thing that people overlook. I kept putting out songs, but I wasn't just putting out songs. I was putting out good songs, mm -hmm. you know, and they were hitting, they were connecting, people were listening to them. And you would you could see the growth. Like you can see the chart go like this. Mm -hmm. It's easy to put out a lot of songs to keep that revenue up. But like I said, you have to have that vision because if you're just putting out music to put out music, you might get however many plays over the next couple months, but your career is going to go like this. Yeah. And I feel like, like that's that. one thing I've, I've definitely, as I've known you for what, two, three years now, you're definitely someone that when you know what you're trying to do and you've created a plan to get there, like you're, you're sticking to it. And you definitely are not someone that has like FOMO. It's like, you're someone yeah. I feel like, you know what you're trying to do and you know that you're going to do it. And it's, you're willing to, to sacrifice whatever it takes in between to make sure you get to, to point B. And the thing about that is that I've taken lots of L's. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've taken a lot of L's along the way, and you just have to not be scared to, to do that. Mm -hmm. Like, it's so easy to not do something because you're scared it's not going to work out. And it's like, I'm fine with putting myself out there and doing something and falling on my ass to know that I can learn from it and get back up and keep going and that's really what got me to where i am there are so many like shows and things i've done that were not good there are so many songs i've sent to people that were not good like i've burned bridges i've done a lot of things that really put me in a hole not necessarily in the hole but like close to falling in a hole mm -hmm. but the reason i didn't fall is because it taught me how to move and how to be self-sufficient and how to do things right and that's what kind of propelled me to kind of do it the way I did it mm -hmm. and the way I did it going back to what I was saying I took those songs down that was senior year of college so between then and two years after that which was my second year of dental school my numbers went like all the way up mm -hmm. and the reason was the sound quality got to a point at my senior year of college where the music was good mm -hmm. like that was the first time I really thought the music was good and it was evident because people were listening to it people were talking about it and the thing is, the music was good, but I was the one in control of everything. Mm. So I could just keep releasing, keep releasing, keep making music. And that's what I did for two years straight. And the music just kept coming out, kept coming out, and it just kept growing. Like, there's no there's no secret to it. It took me a long time to get to that point where I was good enough to put that music out and build that following. But once you have the good music, people will find it. What was the philosophy behind the Bazanji bars and, like, what, you know strategically like i know that you, you that wasn't by accident it wasn't just that you and i know that one of your big considerations is that you definitely did not want to be known as a, a cover artist or cover rapper yeah and and i think what you did there was very strategic and i think it's something that other artists and other people that are looking to create attention online and, yeah. and be strategic um could really benefit from understanding maybe your philosophy behind that and, yeah. and how all that so, stuff worked for you so that started Two years ago, I'd say. So this was right around the time I met my manager or my former manager, Elliot, who was he's a social media influencer and he knows how to run mm -hmm. social media like that's his thing. And um, much respect to Elliot because he helped me out through the process. Um, but I remember I was in L.A. December of 
2016. And I was with my friend Jackson Bright, who's the man. He was the guy on Beachside in the City. And he took me to this person's house who was recording. And I, I realized who it was because I saw a video on YouTube. It was a Hotline Bling cover by this this um, female artist named Kiana Lede. Mm-hmm. And it was her, it was their house, like that, where they recorded the video. And I was like, damn, like this is where y'all did that video. Cause I remember watching that and I didn't know who they were. And essentially what they were doing is covers of songs. Um, they had someone playing the piano and she was singing it. And when I saw that, I was like, maybe I should do that for, for rap, like um, cover songs or remix songs and put them on my Instagram mm-hmm. channel. Um, so like I said, Elliot was good with social media. He knew how to push all that stuff, which really grew my Instagram following like big time because I would make those videos. He would, you know, distribute them the right way. But then what happened was I kind of realized like I don't want to go down this path of being a Instagram entertainer, just like a viral act on Instagram. I've been doing this for four years at this point. I built up this like fan base and I don't want to be have that stain on me as like this dude is just the guy that's big on Instagram or Mm -hmm. Um, he's only popping because he does remixes or he's a remix rapper. And like people would say that stuff in the comments and that would like really piss me off because at the time I wasn't good at like blocking out what people said because I still hadn't fully (laughs) developed like my sense of who I am Mm -hmm. and my sense of like success as an artist. So it was easy for me to be like, damn, maybe they're right. Like (laughs) maybe this was trash. Mm -hmm. Um, But I guess the falling out we kind of had between me and my manager and I mean... I have nothing bad to say. Like I, I only have great things to say about him, but it was, do I want to go back to what I was doing this whole time? Or do I want to do this whole like Instagram, get viral, like all, all these other people are doing, like get millions of followers to post like skits or Bazanji bars or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's not what I'm trying to do. Um, I already built this up and I have this path of where I want to go. And if I want my career to be a long lasting career, it's not going to be from Instagram entertainment. It's going to be from having real fans that followed the songs I made along the way and continuing to release that music. So that at that point, I got back to doing you know what I was doing, where I wasn't too worried about the Instagram, I wasn't too worried about Twitter, and I don't really like social media to be mm-hmm. honest. Yeah, I know you don't. <laughs> like, it's just as an artist, you feel like you have to let people relate to you, and I want people to relate to me, but I don't want to be posting my every move on the internet. Like, I think that's not good for any human in society. Like. Mm-hmm you have your own mental space that you need to stay inside. You shouldn't let everyone have access to what you're doing because then a lot of people have a lot to say about your life and that's your life. So they don't realize because they've never met you that you're a human and like people say shit, people do things and it can mess up your mentality and like the way you think. And you see it happen all the time to artists, but social media just really isn't my thing. I think I found a good balance that, posting what I want to post, posting when I want to post. But like I said, for my own good and for my for the good of my career, I personally felt like I had to move away from all that like going viral on Instagram mm-hmm. stuff, you know? And that yeah. that happened in 2017 maybe, mm-hmm. 20 I guess. I don't, I don't really remember, but after that was when I just kept releasing music, kept releasing music, and then I got to where I am today. Mm-hmm. And literally the only thing I did between stopping the Instagram stuff to today was just release a song every like month or something like that. Yeah. And now everything is great. Like we're almost at a million monthly listeners on Spotify, which is like, I assumed you had to have a label to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, I haven't been on any big Spotify playlist at all. 
and I'm almost at a million monthly listeners and they're artists that are signed that aren't even there. So yeah. it's like something, something's right because like people are here to listen to the music. They're not here because somebody told them to go there or like there's one big song. Go look at my track record. Like go look at my discography. The songs hit because yeah. like I was putting out quality. I was putting it out over time. And now I know that it doesn't have to do with going viral on Instagram, putting out some big piece of content that's going to catch the eye. It's about taking that time to really build it up and putting out quality stuff that people listen to. Mm-hmm. So that's really what it was that got me here. Yeah. And I feel like you're like, and knowing you, I know that like there's times where you're and, and from the outside looking in and people can say, Oh, this guy's in dental school. You know, he's obviously super smart. He's got this thing. He's like, he said, he's good. And I know that that's not the case. Like you have, the same struggles as oh, everyone else, yeah. girls, family, everything. And and so I know like well, during, even, during some of those times too, I mean, yeah, go, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, obviously I have the regular people, like human struggles mm-hmm. that everyone has. But on top of that, being in dental school and having my music be like exponentially grow in success while I'm in dental school is a very like internal battle that I've had, that I've had with myself because like. I always knew I wanted to be a dentist, like, growing up. I wanted to do something in science. Like, my dad is in science, and I was like, I'm going to be a dentist. Little did I know this music career that was just a hobby is, like, paying all my bills and then some um, while I'm in dental school. So, like, you know how easy it is to sit there and be like, why am I here? Like, I'm already making money. I'm already, like, successful enough to live. Um, Why do I need to sit here? But, like, it takes you back to the point where you realize how much work you did to get to where you are and mm-hmm. how you can't take that for granted because there are millions of people that would like die to be in your spot. And that's what keeps me going. I'm like, I don't want to look back on this in 70 years or when I'm like 70 or 80 years old and be like, damn, I dropped out of dental school. Yeah. I cannot start something and then quit. But there have been multiple times where I've been in there like I've been very close to like pulling the plug and just yeah. getting out of there a huge asset in your life that i've come to realize and that i've i feel from you is that you have your ways of pulling yourself back in like you're not afraid to take a break when you need it and i feel like you surround yourself with people that you know love you and that are going to support you and well the thing is by going to college and meeting people who are not in the music industry and have nothing to do with my success or like being some sort of tool for me that's how I developed like real friends who care for me regardless of if I'm making music if I'm a dentist if I'm broke like they're just there for me as a person because we're friends now like we're we're yeah. closer than just reminds me of like business up in relationship New York. <laughs> the yeah. thought of New York New York comes to mind bro I'm telling you guys like literally it was like what 3 30 a.m mm-hmm and we were playing, like, it was Jenga. you, me, everyone. We were just playing fucking yeah. Jenga. Like, <laughs> Straight bro, up g- giant Jenga people don't in this penthouse apartment yeah. in New York that we're staying for free through you. But we're all just kicking it, having a good time, yeah. like, eating pizza. Yeah, And nobody's just, talking about the music. It's not like, it's not a business relationship. We're, we're friends. Ways. We're talking about, <laughs> we're, we're talking freestyling. About <laughs> we're talking about ways. We're talking about, like, life. We're, we're doing whatever we want because we're real friends, and it yeah. doesn't come down to the music. It doesn't come down to what their jobs are, and that's what kind of gets me back to where I am and, and keeps me going. So, like, now my debate is after I graduate dental school in two years, do I move to L.A. where the music industry is, or do I stay here where my family is, or do I go live where my friends are? And I'm like, a lot of my friends live in New York, and I'm like, yeah, L.A. probably has a better chance of success for me music-wise, but 
knowing myself, I can't go somewhere alone and uh, and be surrounded by so much artificial, superficial people and um, not even just people, but like the atmosphere of it and expect to be sane. Yeah. Like I might be successful, but I won't be, I'll go crazy. So I'm like, by having DistroKid and TuneCore and building it up, knowing how to build it up myself because I've done it for so long, I can live anywhere and I can be close to the people I love because they'll keep me grounded and they'll keep me, you know, going. So it's like, the thing about music is it's you're not a robot. Like, you're not just like being programmed to make tracks. You have to have some sort of mental capacity to be able to speak and like say things so if you're going insane a lot of people use it as therapy but for me i make my best music when i'm happy and around people that i like and have those kind of experiences if i'm sitting in my apartment in la alone in front of a computer with the nicest setup or whatever it is like nothing's gonna come out of me if i have no inspiration and the whole time i'm just like damn i spent all that time just to get here and be alone like that's really what that's my current like mindset right now. Like, what do I do after all this? Because for me, it's like all my friends have jobs and, and like, look at you, you have like mm-hmm. 50 other things on your plate. Mm-hmm. So it's like, when I make that move, I have to figure out with like where to go and like how to do it where I'm still sane and I'm still the same person, but I'm able to focus on the music. Well, I let me tell you important. another thing that actually is a big benefit of being in school while I'm doing this. It's that my back isn't against the wall right now. Like, I'm not surviving off the music. And, yeah, I'm, I'm making a great amount of money off it, but it's like, that's not my career where it's to the point that, oh, I have to do this to survive. Like, I'm still in school, so when I make music, I'm making it for, like, fun and still for the hobby of it, you know? Because, yeah. like, if it doesn't work out, I have this other career path. Which so is a, it's a pretty good career path. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, it's not know? a bad alternative. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, that helps my mentality a lot because I'm not, like, I'm not doing it out of, out of, um like survival Mm -hmm. i'm doing it because i enjoy doing it and because like it's fun for me at this point you know yeah that has its ups and downs too because people love to pick at you when you're around the same people every day and somebody in that group is doing something that is different from what everyone else is doing people love to talk about it whether it be good or bad Mm -hmm. a lot of people have so much to say like bad things is not bad but like make a joke out of it and i'm like if that's what makes you feel better about yourself then like at this point i'm happy with who i am i'm successful with the music i'm almost done with dental school like my life is is great Mm -hmm. so if you are hurt and you need to take it out on me by saying something about me because i'm not doing something that's regular feel free you know Mm -hmm. like do it but that's just what comes with doing something that's not the norm people are going to talk about you people are going to have good things to say people are going to make fun of you um people are going to like mimic you like so i'm posting on instagram like oh uh new song coming soon or like just like pictures with um captions and things like that and you know you walk into school and someone be like oh like like make a joke out of it almost you know so and i'm i'm not saying that this happens all the time but it definitely does happen along the way so everything has its its good side to it and its bad side so if you're doing something like that, you just got to be mentally stable and secure enough that you're happy with who you are and people are going to talk regardless. So yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess what like is. what's what's on the cusp now? So like you've been going out to L.A. more. You're working with some new people. You're yeah. working on a new album. Like what what can everyone get, so, get ready for in the end of this year and, and next year? Yeah. So um, I'm working on an album. 
Um, it's 10 songs and it's almost done. And my first album, Mixed Feelings, did really well. It was at like number 13 on the charts. But what I realized was that like, it's hard for people to listen to a whole album when you when you don't have that support behind you, like Spotify playlists and things like that. So if I was releasing that whole album as singles instead of as an album, I'm sure those songs would have done much better. But it is good for me to have that album in my arsenal. So when someone goes to my page, they have a project to listen to instead of just a bunch of singles. And it's my best songs to date on that mm. project, Mixed Feelings. So for this one, I was like, it's about that time to have an album again, 10 brand new tracks. They're better than any of my other music and none of them have been released yet. Mm -hmm. um, but the problem is I'm in this in this mindset right now where it's like, sh should I release these 10 songs as singles? Because these all have potentials to be potential to be hits. Um, and what if I make that same mistake where I put them on an album and song number seven is a hit, but not enough people listened all the way down to song number seven to hear it. Mm -hmm. But if I release it as a single, that song would have popped off, you know? Yeah. So for me right now, it's I'm going to have the album done, but it's it's deciding how I want to move forward with it. I want to get creative with it. Should I do like an album with single releases all the way up to like the whole project coming out? Or should I release it as an album through some sort of distribution that gives me more support on like Spotify playlists and things like that? So it's a big kind of, it's a big step. Like this album is going to make a big difference in my career because my numbers that are at an all time high right now, um, way higher than it was when I released my last album mm -hmm. and everything has just been going up since. So like I said, it's not for me at this point, it's not about the quality that, or it's not about the, the actual recording of the album. Cause the album is pretty much done. It's about strategizing how I release the album. Mm -hmm. So or if it's going to be an album or say I start next year in January and release all 10 songs as single like singles once every um, two weeks or so. Like that might be a better approach than releasing a 10 song album that people yeah. might stop at song four. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm thinking about right now. But yeah. yes, there's a lot of new music and it's coming soon and I can't wait. The reason it was called Mixed Feelings was because I'm in school and I'm doing this music. And at that time, the music, I mean, the music was successful, but it wasn't like something I would consider, all right, this could be my full-time career right now and I'd be fine with it in terms of how successful it was. So that's what Mixed Feelings was about. It was like, am I doing the right thing by doing the music and doing school? Should I drop school and just do the music? That's That was the whole idea of that project. So between now and, or between then and now, the music has gotten to such a good point for me where I could do this for the rest of my life and consider it successful. Mm -hmm. And now this album is like a looking back like, yeah, my vision is clear. Like, everything happened how it was supposed to. And I did make the right... Like, I had mixed feelings at the time, but I made the right decision to keep doing what I was doing mm -hmm. to get it to this point. And um, I'm not going to give away the name of it, but that's essentially what it's about. And it's not necessarily that I achieved everything I wanted to achieve, but it's that my vision of how I want to do it and how I want to move forward in life is clear. So like, yes, I'm going to face some roadblocks. I'm going to face some obstacles, but I'm not in that mixed feeling state where I'm like, should I do school? Should I do music? Like, what am I trying to do in my life? Now I'm at the point where I'm like, all right, I know what I'm trying to do. And it's time to just push, push through, you know, keep going. Um, so, yeah.